0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. and there is plenty of news, particularly on the on the talent acquisition front, to dive into. It is also spring spring game week uh, that will be held Saturday in Fort Lauderdale at Drive Pink Stadium at noon. Uh, it's going to be televised on the ACC network, uh, so it'll be fun to watch what the Hurricanes look like uh, with some off-season football happening this weekend. And with that in mind, there's you know plenty of talent descending upon South Florida to visit UM, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get into all of that here in this podcast. Uh, but first, let's start with kind of the recent breaking news, Gabby, about, I don't know, an hour before we started recording here. On Monday morning, Miami got some good news on the line of scrimmage with uh, currently unrated prospect Frankie Tinelau, who is a native of Australia, uh, giving his pledge to the Hurricanes. Tell us what we need to know about Frankie at this moment because, uh, you know, he's an Australian. Uh, not, much, not much tape out there, I don't think, him. Yeah but, uh, but he does look the part just physically. If you look at his body type.
1: Yeah. Pretty interesting story um, on Frankie uh, originally a class of 2022 recruit. Um, I think with COVID and him being an international student, I think there was a lot of like academic issues there, not in terms of him, not making grades, but just of him, just, you know, maybe needing to go back home with the shutdowns of him being a citizen of another. I, I know there was a lot of, I, I know like the water's is pretty uh, muddy there in terms of just like the situation and what he's had to go through the past couple of years. Um, he's going to be playing this next fall. So as his senior year, he's going to be playing at Miami LaSalle um, there in coconut Grove, um, not far from Miami's campus. So, you know, he is going to eventually make his way down here to South Florida. He visited Miami. He, I think it was the first visitor through the door. Um, on March first, when that um when that contact period opened, where Miami could start hosting recruits again on campus, and you know picked up an offer that day, and you know so he's been someone that they really like. I mean, when you consider, I mean, just kind of even just talking to some, you know, the the, uh, the analysts analyst around two four seven sports, uh, Cooper Petegna, a guy who's worked with Mario Cristobal, Oregon says like you know Mar- that they, those guys love a project, and uh, Frankie Tannell might be that six foot five, 308 uh, over six foot eleven wingspan. So, you know, again, this is a this is a big time, uh, you know, just at least big framed guy uh, that I think those guys are excited to sort of mold. I mean, I think they view him as like this piece of clay that they can just sort of mess around with and just like, you know, fully develop in their in their system and, you know, just in their program. I think they trust their development and I think they trust their eyes. And so, you know, I think this is someone that they're excited about and, you know they believe that he could end up being something. So, um, you know, I'm a fan of the take. I think that he's an intriguing body type, just having seen him in person and just sort of talking to the kid seems to just really love Miami. So, um, I, I I like the addition for Miami.
0: Six five three ten. Uh, you mentioned the long wingspan. Uh, I think, you know, if you look at him, uh, you might, uh, you might be quick to project him as a tackle, But I think from an athletic standpoint, he's probably more of an interior guy, um, a guard type. Do you agree with that way too early assessment right now? Because we're going to learn a lot about him once he does get here and starts playing high school football in South Florida. But I think he's kind of more of an interior guy.
1: I mean, I think that's possible. I think it's still kind of to be determined uh, what he's going to play. Just because, I mean, when he comes down here, he's going to be the biggest guy uh, on the field you know, pretty much against anyone LaSalle plays. I mean, not the best South Florida competition, uh, those guys sort of run it up with. Um, So, you know, when he makes his way to Miami and everyone's sort of like his size, I could see him potentially being, you know, an inside guy. I I think, I mean, it depends, but I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't push back on that, honestly, if you told me like, you know, he could potentially push, uh, you know, kick inside and be one of those types.
0: Yeah. I think tackle at high school level, but inside at the college level, um, who else do you know, like who else was on him? Was any other college really pushing for him that you know of?
1: Yeah, honestly, I don't really know. Um, you know, just kind of talking to him on Sunday and, um, you know, just kind of when we, we talked and kind of, you know, started figuring out like, you know, that he was going to make this decision public and all those types of things. He was telling me that like, you know, if Oregon ever offered, he always told himself he would commit. So I think Oregon was a school he always loved. But without when Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal are there. So I really think that once he got that Miami offer, I mean, even when I talked to him that that first day of March, you know, his coach was kind of talking already, like you know, when he gets to Miami, of um, all that type of stuff. So, you know, I feel like very early on, once Miami decided to go ahead and offer, it felt like they became the school for him. Um, I think he just wanted to see who else would kind of, you know, pull the trigger. I think uh, a few schools did. I know he went to go see Florida unofficially. I know he went to go see USC unofficially. Neither of those schools uh, offered, from what I remember. Um, you know, I think FAU offered maybe a couple other, uh, power, f- like, you know, lower level power five schools, but it felt like Miami was really the, the leader in the clubhouse here the whole way. And I think that's where he ultimately wanted to be.
0: We'll talk more about high school recruiting after the, uh, commercial break later in this podcast. So let's, let's transition to portal talk because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot going on with portal right now. And, and we kind of hinted that this wave would happen once spring football around the country wraps up, we're seeing, you know, this week, this past weekend, there was, there was a bunch of spring games at various programs. And I think with that happening, you're seeing more players enter the portal that don't necessarily like their standing on their current teams. Right. Um, But before we get into some of those targets, let's discuss, and you hinted, you've been hinting that this could be happening for a while now, Gabby. Uh, Jonathan Dennis, who is a South Florida native played at South Dade, four-star guy coming out of high school, interior offensive lineman, um, played at Oregon under Mario Cristobal is deciding to transfer back home to play for Mario Cristobal. Once again, uh, you know, we've discussed about how this, how this helps the depth. Um, you know, I think it's to be determined if he's going to be an immediate starter, um, but I do think he is a too deep addition for this immediate year in 2022. Um, but just overall, Gabby, you know, how excited are, are the people inside the building to, to fortify the line of scrimmage, landing a guy like Jonathan Dennis.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think this is, this is someone they're definitely excited about. I mean, obviously someone crystal ball landed at Oregon that they were able to able to pluck down from South Florida. So, yeah, I mean, kind of just echoing what you're saying, David, I don't think anyone's expecting him to walk into a starting role. Um, I don't think he's going to be fully cleared for contact probably until maybe late May or June. So basically when he arrives, Um, So, you know, I do think that there needs, there's probably going to have to be some like, you know, physical stuff that he continues to do. I know he's been rehabbing. I mean, even just talking to him about, you know, when he, we talked about his decision, he said a a big part of the reason why he didn't leave Oregon sooner was just because he was so comfortable with the rehab process there. And he loved the progress he was making with the trainers over there at Oregon. And he didn't want to walk away from that. I think if he was fully healthy, he probably would have been at Miami earlier this spring and probably participating in spring ball. But um, you know, so yeah, I, yeah, I think that this is an exciting addition. And again, where you're just considering the depth and, you know, just continuing to build the trenches, the offensive line, I think Jonathan Dennis, you know, provides some, some juice off the bench, you know, maybe again, a guy that could maybe potentially earn a starting role, but definitely a guy that can probably get in there and give you quality snaps. And, you know, you can probably rotate those guys a little bit more now.
0: Yeah. His rehab process is at me. Correct.
1: Yeah. I, I believe so. I believe so. So I think so, he's doing like some of like he would be in like, I think if he was at Miami, he'd be in like that red, no contact Jersey that we right. talk about. So I think he's probably doing something similar at Oregon right now, but probably get cleared in the summer.
0: Yeah. He's close to being back, but I believe his injury was, was a knee if I have that right. Um, but yeah, you mentioned it, right. It, this is kind of a depth addition. I think, you know, you look at real programs, the, the programs that compete for championships, they can go eight to nine deep on the offensive line. Uh, And and I think Jonathan Dennis helps with that. Let's stay on the offensive line here, Gabby, with our portal talk. And this is a name that is very hot right now in the Miami fan base, right? Amarius Mims, former five-star prospect in the 2021 class. So he's a young guy, big-time talent. I believe he was number eight overall in the country, according to the composite ranking. Um, he announced that, or I guess it was reported. I don't know if he announced it, but he is in the transfer portal looking for a landing spot. You've kind of made it clear ever since that news broke that Miami is, is in this. Tell us what we need to know now as of Monday morning at 1115 with Mr. Amarius Mims. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think there's some, I think there is some confidence in Coral Gables. I mean, again, I feel like, you know, it's, it's a tricky situation with this transfer portal stuff, but you know, I, I absolutely think that this is someone Miami is going to go after, uh, well, again, when you're just looking at the offensive line, um, you know, a guy like Amarius Mims, I think checks all the boxes for, for Miami and just a true tackle body that can come in, uh, potentially be an instant impact type of guy, a potential plug and play, um type of tackle uh you know regardless of you know what side you want to put him on i mean maybe zion nelson solidifies that left side maybe someone you can throw on the right side and just feel good about it um you know so uh, i i think miami's in, in a pretty good spot you know people up in georgia even you know our friends over Red Dogs 24 7 and rusty manziel have you know mentioned Miami as a potential landing spot that's sort of coming out of maybe people in his camp and I think they even mentioned people at his high school um you know Josh Newberg at at Knowles 24 7 mentioned that Miami is potentially be a Miami Florida State battle look I think Miami's heavily involved here and um you know I'm not saying that he's going to pick Miami but um you know I think if you're Miami you got to be feeling pretty good right now Um, of course this is a recruiting process and maybe this is how it looks initially but You know, I don't think the rest of the country is just going to, you know, be like, oh, he's going to Miami and that's it. I mean, I know Michigan State's a school that, you know, just kind of reading through their board, uh, you know, one of their reporters said that, you know, this could be the, the strongest that Mel Tucker pursues a transfer offensive tackle this cycle. So, you know, Michigan State could always get involved. There could be lots of schools. I think I read something that I don't want to be like quoted on this, but like he maybe can't tra- transfer to an SEC school because the deadline passed to transfer within the conference. So I think that leaves things wide open for Amarius Mims. I think I think Miami would be a really promising spot, especially when you consider who's coaching the offensive line. I think that has to be pretty notable.
0: Yeah, offensive tackles with the talent level of an Amarius Mims typically don't hit the portal. Right. And so when that happens at that type of position, uh, right, pretty much, I mean, let's be real, p- probably like 95% of the country could use a talented offensive tackle starter, right? At, at an offensive tackle upgrade. So the competition, I, I would expect while Miami is probably the early favorite, um, I think the competition is going to ramp up to try and land them. Uh, why why is FSU in the mix right I think that's a fair thing to discuss because I guess the understanding is is his FSU was one of his finalists as a high school prospect and he has a good relationship with their offensive line coach Alex Atkins is that fair to say
1: yeah I think that's what I think that's what uh the FSU smoke is coming from is that you know Alex Atkins uh, is he, he's the OC now? Is he the offensive coordinator Correct. at Florida State now? Um, you know, I'd know that they have a really good relationship. And Tallahassee's not super far away from Georgia. I mean, it right. doesn't, it's not like a, you know, it's not like a super long, you know, go away from home type of thing. I don't think Miami is either, but I mean, whatever, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, that's why I think Florida State's probably in the mix, just because Alex Atkins. So I don't blame them for, you know, maybe feeling that, that that could be a place for them. I mean, it makes sense if you look back at that recruitment.
0: So, yeah, when at, coming out of high school, Amarius Mims committed to Georgia over Alabama. It was essentially an Alabama-Georgia battle. Georgia won it out. Uh, Tennessee was also in there. Auburn was also in there. And FSU as well. Uh, what would it mean? You know, you, you touched on this a little bit, Gabby. But I would, I would if, if Miami is able to land Amarius Mims, to me, there's no doubt the guy will be the starting right tackle. Um, in 2022, he played primarily right tackle as a backup while at Georgia this past year, he played 121 offensive snaps, primarily in mop-up duty, right? Uh, you know, PFF in that mop-up duty pro football focus, uh, had him with allowing only one pressure that's in 38. Only 38 pass blocking snaps, so it's a small sample size. They were primarily running the ball um, when Amarius Mims was in the game, uh, but still, he is a guy. I think the Georgia people, too, respect his talent. It's not one of those situations where Amarius Mims can't play. I think he's uh, looking to start, and right. uh, Miami, as well as other programs around the country, can offer him that situation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, he's 6'7", 330, uh, seven foot one wingspan. He is a freak um, at offensive tackle. And you land a guy like that, it allows you. So when you have your two tackles set like that, it allows you for the rest of the offensive line to just slot in nice, right? So yeah. I think DJ Scaife would kick at right guard, kick inside. And to me, that's his more ideal position. Uh, of course, Jalen Rivers, I think, would be the left guard. Center looks like they really like Jakai Clark. Um, so, to me, that's your starting offensive line in 2022. And to me, that's an offensive line that really starts to look the part, um, yeah. particularly at the tackle spots. And I mean, we'll see how Amarius, you know, wherever he lands, but let's say he did land at Miami, I would bet there could be a case that Miami would have the best tackle pair in the ACC between Zion and Amarius Bim, So to me, like this is one of those transfer portal additions that can really make a difference in the win loss column. Yeah. Um, and clearly Mario Cristobal knows that. And once he, when he gets focused on something like this, he usually finds a way to get, get it done. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Cause you, you mentioned Gabby twists and turns and he's a guy that's going to have a lot of competition or, or plenty of schools interested. Um, but we'll see if Miami can reel him home. Anything else on Mims or what you think it would mean for the offensive line this year?
1: Yeah. I mean, no, I really, I feel like you nailed it. I mean, just, and, and just talk about the impact. Like I think this could be the most impactful transfer. If you were to pick Miami of all the guys that they've added, you know, if Mims were to pick Miami, I do think yeah. he would be the most impactful yes. in 2022.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, you, this, is, this is a type of move where Miami's, you know, they've had a finesse offensive line uh, for the past few years. Amarius Mims is the type of guy that can help change that. Um, he's a big, strong dude that can move people uh, at right tackle. So, um, again, I agree to this point. They haven't landed a transfer of that caliber and, uh, but they are in the mix for, for defensive guys. And let's transition to that, that I think could also be uh, very impactful because they're talented guys. Let's start with DJ Coleman. Um, Transferring. He's in the portal from Jacksonville state, FCS all American Visited last week, right? I think he wrapped it up when Thursday. Um, yeah, where, do think, so. where do you think, where do things stand now? Because I know, like, I think it's fair to say, Gabby, right? Like, maybe the first impression DJ made on his visit wasn't necessarily the best one. Uh, but I think as the two sides, as Miami and DJ spent more time together, they got more comfortable with each other. And now Miami is interested in bringing him in if he does want to come. Uh, So where do you think uh, things kind of stand now with Miami and DJ Coleman?
1: Yeah. Yeah, David, I think you put that really well. I mean, just kind of coming in, it felt like, you know, maybe, maybe it was a no and then they kind of, you know, I guess had some conversations and uh, you know, I think Miami became more open to it as the visit, as the visit, uh, you know, continued and even to the point where it was wrapping up that, you know, I think they felt a little better about DJ Coleman and, you know, I'm not, I don't have all the details there, um, you know, but I did, you know, ask to talk to him and, you know, he, he politely, you know, denied, but he, he just said that his, his priority right now is just finishing school, uh, you know, getting his degree. So I'm not sure if there's an academic barrier here that could potentially be one of a few factors that, you know, have Miami may, or had him maybe hesitant. But, you know, I do think that at this point, you know, he's someone that, that Miami would be willing to, to add if he was willing to come. And um, you know, yeah, I think that if I think again, you just talk about the body type—six foot six, two fifty-two, or whatever it is—I yeah. um, I think that that is a that is a big type of dude and the type of body that you sort of want on your defensive line. I think it's clear that they are trying to sort of reshape that room totally. Um, you know, I think, I mean, there's other defensive linemen that they're going after. So, no, I think Coleman could be a a, a potential, an addition that, that could help Miami in 2022. I'm not sure if I would pencil him in as a starter or anything like that, but I do think he could be a guy that, that contributes.
0: Yeah. To me that this is another like quality depth situation. Um, you know, I think if you land a guy like DJ Coleman, you have basically four guys at the edge that could all be starters. Um, and Jafari Harvey, Chance Williams, who are, of course, are already on the team. Miami's going to add Mitchell Agude, uh, who is the transfer from US UCLA. Um, and then you throw DJ Coleman into that mix. You got four. You can come at teams in waves. And look, do I think any of those guys are like an A, A minus type of player? No, but uh, you can come in waves at at opponents with you know some b b minus type players i think that's you know that's that's a good thing um and you mentioned his body type you know mitch lagude is an impressive looking guy i think dj Coleman's slightly taller slightly thicker um agude might have him on wingspan his his wingspan's pretty impressive looking just looking at him in person agude uh, but DJ Coleman definitely looks the part he looks like, um, you know, he looks like what NFL defense events look like just from a body type perspective. Is there, you, you've mentioned in a previous podcast, Gabby, that Marshall was in the mix. Um, is there any other schools emerging that you've heard? I know things are quiet around DJ. Yeah. Um, but is he going to go see any other schools that you know of right now?
1: Yeah, I, I don't really know. You know, it doesn't like I haven't been able to get much of a read on him outside of that, I, that I guess he officially visited Marshall. Um, so I, I'm not sure if he's going to go see any other schools again. He seems like a guy that's keeping everything pretty close to the vest. But um, I mean, I guess we'll see if he ends up popping in anywhere. He's not really putting much on social media or anything like that, you know. So um, but I think Miami still feels pretty good about where they stand there.
0: Staying on the defensive line, Akeem Mezador. Yeah. Uh a defensive line a defensive lineman who can play inside can play a little bit on the edge, primarily does his damage from the inside though. Six foot two, seventy five, uh, quick twitch 38 tackles, eight tackles for loss, four and a half sacks pro football focus had him with 33 quarterback pressures, which is a very good number from the inside. Um, where do things stand now with him? Uh, Big time, big time, big time transfer portal guy out of West Virginia.
1: Yeah, you know, kind of got an update from some of, you know, from a few sources this morning, uh, Monday morning. And it seems like, you know, the visit went as well as it could have gone. I think, again, you know, I've been kind of hinting at it since, you know, I dropped that, you know, since I said that I reported that they were officially visiting, that Mesador was officially visiting, that, you know, my news feeling pretty good about it. I think they still are. Um, I do think USC could potentially get another uh, visit, um, but I think that they're coming out of that still feeling pretty good about where they stand, even if he, were, if, even if he was to go see another school. Um, so, I mean, take that for whatever it is, but I do think he might go on maybe one more visit. Um, I don't think it's going to be like a whole recruiting process thing where he takes five officials, I think maybe just one more, and, and uh, you know potentially shut it down based on you know some of the conversations I was having So, um, but again, I think that they're feeling pretty confident that they're in the best spot to land
0: him. So the thing I'm curious with Akeem, because there's no doubt he's a big time player. I'm curious, what is Miami selling him on in terms of how they're going to use him? Because Akeem uh, at West Virginia was primarily an inside guy. Um, I looked it up. He played 600 defensive snaps at West Virginia last year only about 130 of those snaps were as a defensive end. Um, And when he, when he entered the transfer portal, he basically said, um, I want to play more on the edge. I want to play defensive end more uh, than how West Virginia is willing to use me. So what is Miami selling him? Because to me, there's no doubt he can, wreck a game from the inside like that's where he's best um but is Miami willing to play him on the edge too
1: I mean I think they're willing to play around with him a little bit you know just well excuse me um in terms of just like you know kicking him and having him I would bet that they would maybe like him better inside but I think that they seem open to the idea of you know or just like painting him as a guy that could be versatile that can play inside and outside that's what one. To one person in Coral Gables told me that he can, you know, be an inside outside type of guy, maybe similar to how they use Elijah Roberts and how they sort of move him around where they view him as a defensive end who could maybe play inside as well. Maybe it'll be more of the opposite for, um, for Messidor, a guy that maybe primarily plays inside that could also kick outside. So, um, you know, I'm not entirely sure what the exact plan is but um you know i just i think that he's someone that can come in and, and definitely help out um i would bet right now mostly from the interior line
0: to me he he's he's got a similar skill set to brandon Dorlis, who is a oregon defensive lineman that played well for the ducks last year dorless is from deerfield beach so he's from south florida he is uh so last year he played at 6 foot 3 284 um he primarily plays on the inside for Oregon last year, um, played 665 total defensive snaps, uh, but 285 of those snaps. So about, you know, he played a similar amount as, as Mesador did at West Virginia, but he played about 150 more snaps on the edge than Mesador did. So my guess would be that Mario sees a lot of Brandon Doralis in Aki Mesador. I would say Mesador might even be better. Um which is high praise because Dorlis is a NFL prospect too. Um, Dorlis had 25 tackles, seven tackles for loss, two and a half sacks last year in his role. Um, and, and okay, let's let's take the conversation here, Gabby. Which guy do you think is a better addition? They're both big time, but Akeem Mesador for what he would be on defense or Amarius Mims for what he would be on offense. Because to me, if Mesador comes to Miami, I would probably rank him as the best player on defense.
1: Wow. Okay. I mean, I would probably just in, in this in this situation, I would probably lean Mims just because I think just the importance of what a tackle brings. And you know, again. Just kind of I know Miami's maybe not there yet from a roster standpoint but I think that's where their vision is and you know you just watch yeah. like the college football playoff you watch the national championship game I mean that like it's it, it gets done in the trenches you know having those guys up front on the offensive line defensive line too of course but I think Miami Right now, with the addition of Agude, with the addition of Lichtenstein, we'll see what um, Antonio Moultrie gives them. Uh, Leonard Taylor, you know, I feel like there's maybe a little bit more on the defensive line than maybe there is on the offensive line. And you know, with a guy like a, with a like Amarius Mims, I think Amarius Mims takes the offensive line to you know just uh, just that next level. I'm not saying it yeah. to that elite level, but I do think Amarius Mims just really adds just puts Miami in a different like category. I, I think Mesidor does too, but I feel like with the additions of Agude and those guys, they've already sort of elevated the play of the defensive line as, you know, as a whole. So I feel like a Mary Smith would just be that massive, massive piece for the offense. But um, Mesidor obviously would be a, a big time guy to you as a former freshman All-American and, you know, one of the, you know, a really good player in, in the, in the big 10, the big 12.
0: So again, he had 33 pressures last year. Um, you know, Miami's had some pretty good college defensive tackles here in recent years. You know, you look at Kendrick Norton, RJ McIntosh, Gerald Willis, even Nesta Silvera, uh, could generate some, some pressure on quarterbacks. Um, none of those guys in a single season generated 30 pressures. So, you know, Gerald Willis, who had that tremendous season in 2018, right. That year he had 26 pressures. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, we're splitting hairs in terms of Mezador and uh, Mesidor and Mims, but, you know, land them both, of course. But uh, to me, Mezador, like I said, I don't think this is hyperbole. I think if Miami were to land him, and also, too, this kind of speaks to what Miami has on the defense. I like their young talent, but Mezador has more of a resume. Um, right now than like a Leonard Taylor or a James Williams. Um, So if you land a Masador, to me, that's kind of an elite game wrecker type of guy. Um, So, but everything you said about Mims, I I would not push back on either. Uh, Linebacker. It Sounds like Miami is finally circling a linebacker in the transfer portal. UCLA linebacker Caleb Johnson, 6 foot 1, 230. 40 so last year 45 tackles, one interception, 500 defensive snaps played. Um, what do we need to know there? What does Miami like about Mr. Caleb Johnson?
1: Yeah, I mean, people have been asking for linebackers, you know, this whole time that that Miami's been looking At the transfer portal, it feels like no matter what move that they make, you know, positive or negative, it's just like, all right, but what about linebackers? Um, You know, this is a guy that, you know, I think that, you know, I think is, you know, he's a veteran body. I mean, he started 17 of 18 games at UCLA, Um, you know, didn't have the big sack or tackle for loss numbers, you know, in 2021. But he had seven tackles for loss, five and a half sacks in that shortened 2020 season. So, you know, I think that he's a, I think he is a body, you know, again, a veteran guy. I think he graduated high school in like the class of 2015 or something like that. Played Juco, signed with Texas, transferred to UCLA. So he's had a, he's had a pretty interesting uh, college career. Um, You know, I think one thing that's interesting, again, just kind of reading the pro football focus grades, you know, I think his best game of 2021 actually came against Oregon and Mario Mm -hmm. Cristobal. And, uh, you know, even just talking with Caleb Johnson last night, like, you know, he, he told me that Mario Cristobal told him that he was just always a tough guy to block, you know, whenever they sort of ran into each other in, the, in, the, in those Pac-12 matchups. So, um, you know, in that game against Oregon, he had a season, high, he was graded with a season high in coverage with an 84 coverage grade. And uh, his pass rush grade was also 76.2, was, which was the best of the season also. And he also had a 79.5 tackling and uh, finished with a 76.4 defensive grade, and that 76.4 was his second highest grade of any game in the 2021 season. So I think someone that really just impressed against Oregon, against uh, against you know in those matchups, and someone that Mario Cristobal just might have experience and just kind of admired maybe from across the sidelines. So um, you know I think it's just one of those situations that can just work out. Obviously, really good friend to Mitchell Agude. He told me you know. When Mitchell Agude came down for spring break just ahead of his official visit, that he actually came down with him. He was in Miami as well, and Agude's just been kind of raving about Miami to him. So, you know, I think this is a, uh, you know, just kind of one of those things that's just kind of like stars aligning. Miami might finally get some extra help in the transfer portal at linebacker, um, and we'll see if more come out.
0: Do you feel like he would definitely be a starting linebacker in twenty twenty two? Is that a lock to you? if he comes to Miami?
1: Um, I don't know if it's a lock uh, just because, you know, just kind of coming into the summer and just I feel like linebacker is one of those like positions where you need to just be so aware of everything that's going on around you. I could see him starting at some point. Uh, I could definitely see him being a starter. I don't know if it's a lock right now. Um, I do think what he adds, you know, I think is potentially better than what maybe we've seen from some of these guys in the past. But um, I'm not ready to kind of just go with like the recency bias of, oh, this is our new shiny toy. Maybe he is our, maybe he is the answer at linebacker. I do want to kind of see him and see how this sort of goes before, you know, I, I put him in Sharpie as, as one of those guys.
0: Yeah, I do think, you know, he looks the part more than kind of the, the three guys that have separated from the pack, I think, this spring. And that would be Corey Flagg, Keontre Smith, and Wayne Mansteed right those guys you know the size is a little concerning there if we're being honest uh Caleb i think has better size at 6 foot 1 230 um i will admit and yes you're right the year before those numbers were better i will admit the zero tackles for loss thing is is a little bit of a head scratcher for me um You know, you play 500 snaps, you would think you could just accidentally get.
1: Yeah, you would just uh, run into one, right?
0: But watching a little bit, man, watching Pac-12 football is kind of rough, but watching them, it it did seem like his role was kind of more as like a coverage type linebacker. Um, So maybe that could explain the lack of tackles for loss um, or tackles in general but yeah, he's a guy that's, you know, he, he is pretty good in coverage, you know, as, as far as a linebacker can be. And, um, you know, I do think from a bigger, faster, stronger perspective, he is an upgrade over the veteran guys they have in the linebacker room. So, um, bring him in. Definitely. I think if Miami can also land another linebacker, I'd be here for that too. Um, Let's do let's close the Caleb Johnson conversation here of these guys. Do you feel like he's kind of like the biggest lock?
1: I do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like Caleb Johnson is probably, yeah, I would definitely say that.
0: And then kicker talk, uh, Parker Lewis, USC kicker transfer. What's what's going on there.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think someone is, this is just someone Miami's like kicking the tires on, you know, just kind of seeing from what I understand, again, just having conversations, you know, Monday morning and all that stuff um, seems like someone that really like what would what, where Parker Lewis would potentially bring value to Miami most would be in, in the kickoff game. Again, I, I've hinted on the boards and all that stuff that, you know, Miami feels like he has an NFL leg and, uh, you know, he's someone that they could be pretty excited about. So, um, you know, I don't I think there's probably less confidence with Parker Lewis than maybe some of the other guys I talked about. I do think that Parker Lewis is probably is still a potential as you know could p- potentially happen but he, he could also be looking for at a situation where he could maybe definitely be the kicker entirely i don't know how many guys are going to want to go from you know leading the pack 12 and kicking to potentially not kicking field goals um so i think that that's one thing that could potentially play a factor i do think it'd be a competition it just kind of depends on whether parker lewis is willing to roll the dice and see if he can beat out andres porgalis not sure who else is involved. I heard early, early on when I first heard his name, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how many months ago that was, David, when I told you, hey, uh, I think Miami's kind of has their eye on a kicker. But um, yeah. it sounded like Ohio State was the other school that maybe he was kind of looking at. I'm not sure what their kicking situation looks like either. But um, I think that that was one of the schools earlier on, at least, that were that were involved in there.
0: So let's let's just be positive, right? Hypothetically positive. And let's say Miami lands Mims, Coleman, Mezador, Caleb Johnson. What, like, how does that change how you look at this 2022 Miami team? Does that make you feel better projecting a win, two wins? Like, how do you feel like those talents could impact the win total?
1: Yeah. I mean, with those, you, you give me those four guys, um, you know, I, I would feel I, I, I it would kind of be like, you know, ACC championship or bus and not saying ACC title, but just get to like winning the cold store bus. You got to get to Charlotte with that team. Right. I think it's good enough to come out of the postal with, you know, a couple guys replacing quarterbacks and all that stuff. I don't think that, I don't think that there's an excuse to not win the ACC coastal. If you add those four pieces along with what they've already done uh, with what they have coming back. I mean, David, we've talked about them being, you know, maybe eight to 10 wins. I mean, I would probably start to creep closer to the 10 win mark. Um, yeah. You know, I'd feel very good about nine, um, but I think ultimately, you know, this is a team that needs to compete for a chance, you know, to compete in an ACC title game. And, you know, with a shot to potentially win it, man, I really think that that could potentially be the ceiling of this team.
0: I agree. I, I would start feeling good about nine wins, right? Because and, and this is hypothetical and this is optimistic, right? But those are line of scrimmage guys, impactful line of scrimmage guys. And uh, that's where Miami kind of needs to pick it up here uh, in general, moving forward with the program. So those would be big time additions. I agree. I, I, would, I would start thinking nine wins. Um, and, you know, I could, I could definitely see 10 wins um, if they landed those type of guys. What let's say they landed those guys. Um, do you feel like that's good? Miami's good with the portal until the 2022 season, or is there a position group or two where you're like, yeah, I'd still like to see them kind of chase some of these guys?
1: Yeah, I would maybe want them to maybe go see get another linebacker or, or something like that. And you know, I, I, I would be content if that was it you know, if that was just everything and that's just, you know, how we left it, I'd be like, all right, let's go run it. But if you can go out and just get a second linebacker again, like maybe I know the window's closing on, you know, maybe adding transfers or guys being able to announce that they're transferring if they want to be eligible or whatever it is. But if one more big name linebacker comes out that you can, that you feel like you can go out and get, I would just still want maybe want one more guy there. But otherwise, you know, honestly, I'd, I'd be sleeping pretty good at night knowing that that's how Miami closed out the, the transfer thing.
0: I agree, linebacker would be nice if possible. I also kind of think too, maybe, maybe like a stout defensive tackle that could get that could chew up some snaps, you know, and help stop the run a little bit. Yeah. Um,
1: I asked about Darrell Jackson, the Maryland transfer, who's from he, he's from some part handle. of Florida. Yeah, he's from yeah. like Panhandle in Florida. Um, I didn't get a lot of you know, I didn't get a lot back. You know, didn't really. Didn't seem like someone that they had really even like talked about much and, you know, all those types of things. So I do think he'd be an interesting name, you know, uh, at 6'6". Again, kind of just like checks the boxes that I think you're kind of like alluding to, David. So I think he would probably be a name to know or just to kind of, you know, if that's something Miami wants to do, I think he'd be a good candidate to potentially fill that.
0: And I think we'll, we'll take a break here in a second. But, you know, I think in general, Gabby, now is the time. To start flipping the roster in terms of bringing in transfers, shaking things up, making guys on the on the team currently decide whether or not they want to be a part of this because they didn't sign up to play for Mario Cristobal. Um, And, you know, look, if we're being real, like players, Miami players will probably transfer out after this spring. Right. So you got to keep flipping the roster now to me. Now is the time to do it in terms of large quantities with the portal. Um, So go big early in a coach's tenure with the portal, Uh, get those veterans you feel like can help uh, immediately. And then at the same time though, Gabby, it is is also important, like you have to do both. You have to also recruit elite high school players behind them to develop them. Uh, You know, I look at like, a Florida state, right. Who's doing a a pretty good job in the portal. I feel like they they do a good job of like landing some guys that can plug, um, you know, immediate holes, but their high school recruiting is not close to that level. And so they're constantly in this cycle of, okay, we have to go land 10 transfer guys every year. Um, That's not something you want to do year in, year out and Mario knows this, he, so, you know, first year you got to land 10 and you want that, that transfer number to decline. And you want that high school number to increase, um, because we all know, uh, real talent acquisition, championship level talent acquisition happens at the high school level and player development at the high school level. And when you get it rolling, you're recruiting high school players, uh, primarily, and then you just plug, you know, three or four holes, uh, via the transfer portal that you feel like you got to plug off season after off season. So, um, again, now's the time to do this in my opinion.
1: And I, I mean, just, I I feel like it just as a fresh reminder to everyone. I mean, let's kind of remember who Miami brought in, you know, to kind of, you know, be a part of this recruiting department. That's Andrew Rogers, who, you know, some people know that was a key part of what Michigan State in terms of flipping the roster over. I know that there's, you know, they believe that they're, I mean, you know, they have a recipe for success. I mean, Michigan State flipped over a roster where they had like 30 guys transfer out, had like 28 guys transfer in or whatever it was. And, you know, they went on to win 10 plus games, beat Michigan, and they won a Peach Bowl. So, you know, I think that there is people in the building that get, you know, how the transfer market and how, you know, just adding a ton of guys, you know, on a smaller scale, this is not going to be a 25 person operation or, you know, 25 transfer type of thing. But there is a philosophy in there of how the transfer portal can, you know, directly, you know, correlate to wins and how you can flip your roster over quickly early on in a tenure, like what Mel Tucker did. And, you know, that can get the ball rolling from a recruiting standpoint. So, you know, you get those, you do that big transfer thing early on you know, you get, you have yourself a 10 win season. And then suddenly the high school recruiting becomes a lot easier because the perception on your program has changed Correct. because you've had a successful season. So, you know, I think that there's built people in the bill. I think they have a, a plan there. There's people that have made it happen, you know, before have done the transfer thing, made it work. And then obviously you got the home run hitters that can close on big time recruits. Like we saw with, with Mario Cristobal, you know, early on in his cycle with the 2022 guys. And then now what we've seen, Already and how they've been able to get top 2023 20, guys on campus and how they're starting to maybe roll a little bit on the recruiting trail. So, um, you know, they're, they're, the right people are in place to to make this talent acquisition operation work. And yeah, David, you want to go maybe transfer heavy now, but in a couple of years, it's going to be, you know, again, not saying that Miami is Alabama, but you see Alabama does it where they go out and snag the top linebacker in Henry Toto. Toe. Right. He becomes your your stud middle linebacker. Then you can go and grab a Jameer Gibbs and an Elijah Ricks, and you have your stud corner and now you replaced your running back and you're good. You don't need to do it at a, at a mass on a massive scale, but you can get top guys because they want to come be contributors at a big time program.
0: Well said. So let's take a break there and we will get into some of the high school recruiting uh, news and notes to know both from this past weekend and projecting forward for the spring football game. The rest is football. Wherever you get your podcast, all the best from Big Beats. All right, we are back, uh, Gabby. Let's start with the guys who rolled through over the weekend. Miami held their second scrimmage of spring. Um, also had like an alumni event, so it was a good opportunity for uh, you know big time talent to check things out. What the program is all about. So who? Who are some of the big names that you want to highlight that visited on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of the biggest names to know. I mean, they had a, a big group from IMG, well, not a big group, but an important group from IMG Academy come down. Uh, Francis Mauioga, Mauioga um, you know, he's the number two offensive tackle prospect in the country, five-star type of guy, top 10 overall player in the class. He was in South Florida, you know, his second time in Coral Gables. He came down for elite prospect team day in January so definitely good to get him back on campus uh, five-star athlete Samuel M. Pemba his uh, second time down in South Florida after you know just kind of being down a few weeks ago I think it's like a second time in three weeks and uh, you know he was able to watch Miami scrimmage and he's really close with Jaleel Skinner told me that Skinner he watched Skinner catch like a 60 yard touchdown so um, you know on, on that Saturday scrimmage show that was a big deal for him as well um Couple other guys, Clay Whedon. He's an interior offensive lineman from Tampa Carroll Day. I think he's someone Miami really really likes. Um, and then just kind of going into the 2024 class, a couple five stars in that group. Uh, one from IMG Academy, Ellis Robinson the fourth, who number two cornerback in the country, just behind his teammate Desmond Ricks. And then uh, Miami Central five-star athlete Josiah Trader, who was probably one of the biggest risers in that in that 2024 ranking when we when the you know those guys dropped it last Wednesday, he was outside that initial top 100. Now he's the number 11 overall player and the number two athlete in the country. Um, you know, going to be a massive, massive Miami target next cycle. So um, I think it was a strong group of guys that Miami was able to get in.
0: Is Miami making a move for any of those guys in particular, you know, the 2023s is Miami making a move for any of them? Cause you know, just follow the visits theory, right? The Samuel and Pemba deal, uh, two visits in three weeks kind of gets your antennas up a little bit.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I do think that they're making a move with Pemba. Um, you know, I do think it's notable that he made his way back down and, you know, just kind of to come hang out, you know, I talked to him on the phone. I think it was like early, I think it was like Sunday morning at some point. And, um, you know, he was just telling me like, you know, I just really wanted to get back down there and, you know, just watch them scrimmage. I had gone to a practice uh, earlier in the spring and, you know, that light how practice kind of wanted to see them get after it. And again, that's when he told me about the Jaleel Skinner, you know, watching him make a big play was really cool. So, you know, I do think Miami's kind of making a move here. I think he's someone that, you know, I think people might want to keep in mind. He is a St. Louis native. So not from South Florida, Um, I think there's schools like Michigan and Notre Dame that are also in the mix there as well with a few others. So I think Miami's positioning themselves to, you know, be a part of this recruitment for, you know, you know, long term. I don't think he's going to shut things down anytime soon.
0: And then what are the early vibes just in general with his recruitment? But Francis, the five star offensive lineman.
1: Yeah, you know, I even just talking to Sam and Pemba about it, you know, I asked him, like, what do you think about what do you think Francis thought about all this stuff? He's like, I think he really liked it. And, um, you know, I do think Miami's in the mix there. I mean, I think USC is a big one as well. I'm sure there are plenty of others, but I know just even talking to him in January, like he seems really, really high on Alex Mirabal, and Mario Cristobal. I think they would have had a really, really good ch- chance to land him if they were still at Oregon. I think the fact that, you know, he is maybe from, you know, American Samoa, so way out West and, you know, maybe being in California would be him being closer to his parents. He's still played his high school football, like halfway across like the world, pretty much to you know, play at IMG Academy. So he's been away from home and he's been far away from them and that's kind of worked out. So I do think Miami's in a position where, you know, they could, you know, be at the forefront of this again, not saying that they're the favorites or they're out in front or anything like that. But I do think Miami again, has positioned themselves to be a part of this long-term and I really think that they're going to be in the thick of this all the way through.
0: And anyone else to highlight that visited over the weekend?
1: Um, Dylan Wade is probably, is a guy that earned an offer. He's a tight end out of Orlando Jones, just kind of having some conversations with those guys after the visit, you know, it sounds like he's someone that they're, that they're excited about. You know, I think that he's someone that, uh, you know, could potentially be a name to know at tight end, maybe not, maybe not a, you know, top of the board type, but I think someone, if they, if I think someone that eventually they could be excited about again, he earned an offer and he didn't have an offer when he came for elite prospect day. So I think that that's pretty notable. Another 2024, I think it's worth mentioning, Rockledge safety, Jalen Hayward. He's a 10, 6, 800 meter kid. I think he's pretty big time. And, you know, those Rockledge kids typically turn into pretty good college players. You know, I think they have what Rocket Sanders at Arkansas might play running back for them. I think he was also like a linebacker or something coming out. Uh, Ladarius Tennyson signed with Auburn. I think he's at Ole Miss now. So uh, Jalen Hayward's, I think, uh, the next maybe big time prospect to come out of Rockledge. A couple other guys: Tampa, Carroll Day, uh, top two, four, seven wide receiver, Pradell Richardson, um, another wide receiver out of South Carolina. Mizeal Bennett is another maybe notable guy. And Then out of Vanguard, Fred Gaskin the third is a, another dude. He plays with South Florida Express, and he's a 2024. But I think he's the only 2024 that actually plays with the 2023 team uh, with okay. South Florida express. So I think that that's pretty notable too.
0: Let's spin it forward to the spring game, right? Cause spring game is always a big time for recruiting, get guys on campus, um, for that weekend. And I'm sure there's a lot of names, but so let's just keep it to the, the main ones you want to highlight the, the ones that the fans need to know about who are, who are the key names that plan on visiting UM this week at some point.
1: Um, this week, this, this week or for the spring game.
0: Let's do both, either okay.
1: one. I mean, this week, I think some of the big names to know. Um, I think Monday, like Monday and Tuesday, Tony Rojas, a guy out of Fairfax, Virginia, six foot three linebacker. I mean, every time I talk about linebackers with some of these guys, I mean, Tony Rojas is either the first or one of the first names that come up. I think he is like top, top, top of the board, you know, maybe like a must get guy for them in their eyes. Uh, he's going to be in South Florida. I believe he's already down in South Florida. He has, a, I've said it a few times already, he has a sister that teaches. In the Miami-Dade County School System, he'll be down. Uh, Darren Reed, uh, a defensive lineman out of Carver, Georgia, I believe. Uh, he's told me earlier that you know Miami's one of his like quote unquote top five schools. I don't know how much that's changed now, but Ohio State, Florida State, a few others that are in the mix there. I think Miami's been trying to get him down for a while, so good to get him down. Someone I know that they're extremely excited to have down on Tuesday or earlier in the week is Derek Williams. He's a safety out of uh, Louisiana. Um, I'm sure they're going to, you know, throw Ed Reed on that one and see how, see if that could uh, work itself out with, um, you know, obviously Ed Reed being the Louisiana legend, um, Thursday, I gotta, I, I don't really have a, I don't, I can't really think about who's going to be here Thursday, but, um, just in general for the spring game, um, Anthony Hill, the five-star linebacker, number one overall line, number one linebacker in the country, Jonel Aguero, one of the top safeties in the country, top two, four, seven guy. Um, Riley Williams, uh tight end out of Portland that had that visited Miami for Elite Prospect Day, told they told Great. me he's gonna be down for um the spring game. Um, Jackson Howard, who's another athlete, top two, four, seven athlete. I think some thought maybe tight end early on. I think he's growing into a defensive lineman just like his dad. I think that's where some people at Miami sort of see him trending. Uh, that's what some people out in his region of the country sort of see him trending as well. So Um, Again, Dad played in the NFL on the defensive line. So I think that that's good news for Jackson Howard if that's the position he's growing into. Um, Another guy, Anthony James, Texas A&M commit, um, defensive top 247 defensive lineman. He's going to be down in Miami too. Told me he's not crazy about taking a bunch of other visits and all that stuff. Only schools that he really feels serious about. I think Miami might be the only other school outside of Texas A&M that he sees this spring. I would probably have to double check that. But uh, I know that it's a big deal that James is, you know, making that effort to get down here. So um, a lot more names will be there. You know, I'm going to continue working on the spring game visitor list. So um, but those are some of the highlights, you know, headliners to sort of know right now.
0: I'm putting you on the spot because this isn't on our outline, but I'm curious. Just Jaden Rashada, is there anything new to know there? I know he was going to take some visits following the Miami visit. Um, anything new there?
1: Um, th- nothing really in particular. Um, I think he's going to go. I think this weekend he might be in Arkansas. I think he's gonna, I'm not sure if it's this past weekend that he was in Arkansas or maybe this coming week that he's in Arkansas. Um, I'm sure that he'll be back down in Miami at some point. I think he told Brandon Huffman that he plans to come down uh, before making a decision. So I think it'll be interesting to track where he sort of pops in at. Uh, Again, I feel like Oregon is going to make a very strong push just because I feel like he's someone they absolutely need to get with those West coast quarterbacks sort of flying off the board. So um, I would probably still watch out for Oregon, but yeah, Arkansas is going to be in there at some point too. So uh, I would, I would expect to see Jaden Rashada, you know, make his way back to South Florida at some point.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's close things off here. Uh, You know, second scrimmage. I have to admit I was a bit uh, not plugged in this weekend due to another, another funeral. Sorry. It's not funny, but just a lot of funerals going on lately. Uh, So I didn't really too, I admittedly, I didn't dig too much uh, about what happened But, uh, you know, our colleague Christopher Stock had a good recap where he hit the main points, I feel like, you know, and Mario Cristobal said this too, right? Offense did their thing. Offense won the day. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke was sharp, of course, if the offense won the day. You mentioned the Julio Skinner big play. Um, Sounds like Henry Parrish is kind of separating from the pack. Uh, which we've kind of maintained here for the whole spring. Restrepo, you know, kind of clearly that slot. And then defensively, you know, it does sound like Leonard Taylor and Jafari Harvey are stacking scrimmage performances, which is a good sign, right? Right. Um, Anything else to add that, that you might've heard?
1: Yeah. Oh, James Williams had an interception. So I know we saw him have, I know we saw him pick off a pass earlier, just in regular practice situation. So Good to see him continue to find the ball.
0: Yeah, so, uh, you know, we get to see these guys in a scrimmage situation during the spring game. So uh, we will see if, you know, we'll do a a podcast leading up to the spring game, maybe Friday or so, where we preview more recruiting stuff in depth and kind of what we want to see in the spring game. Uh, You know, I just want to see guys make plays both sides of the ball, um, which you know, opposite of what, what happened at the Florida state spring. Did you watch any of that? The Florida state spring game?
1: I I had, I had it on, like I had it on as as, like background stuff. I was getting some other stuff done. So I didn't like, I wasn't like locked in, but I saw Jordan Travis. throw like two back-to-back interceptions in like red zone drills or something like that. So yeah, it was,
0: it was a tough, tough watch, uh, in general. Uh, so don't look like that. Um, but, yeah, we'll have so practices on Tuesday, Thursday. And uh, so we'll have instant reaction podcasts following those practices. And then Friday we'll do like a, a preview deal where we preview kind of from a recruiting standpoint and the spring game itself. Just what you guys should you know need to know going in that game, who to watch for, uh, what we're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. So appreciate all you guys listening. Um, your support means so much to us. Uh, with this podcast and stay locked on to insidetheyou.com for Gabby's recruiting coverage. He's doing a great job uh, killing it with the portal and high school recruiting. Until um, next time, take care.
1: The wait is over. The Shy returns with
0: new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a center boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit paramountpluscom The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.